Buenos dias. Yeah. I better respond than the good morning, so I'll try buenos dias from here on out. It sounds good to me. Listen, I just want to start by saying it was awesome on Friday worshiping together with my church family. It was really, really good. Worship night was awesome. We're celebrating, as Pastor Tim mentioned, a series that we're kicking off today in the book of Ephesians. What a great little letter this is written by the Apostle Paul. I believe it's to be one of the best letters, and there's so many, right? But there's one of the best letters that is so compact, full of theology, but yet full of applications to that theology. As we're going to see the first three chapters, Paul is going to tell us what God's will is doctrine. And then the remaining three, he is going to tell us how to apply that doctrine. And that's why we've entitled this series, His Will, Our Walk. We need to align our wills, our walk with His. And that's why chapter 4 says, let us walk in a manner worthy of our calling. So if you guys are ready, let's jump right in. We've got a lot to cover this morning. Open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. By the way, I really recommend, as always, to bring your Bibles, but especially semesters like these where we go through God's Word verse by verse. We're going to cover all of the book of Ephesians this semester, and when you bring your Bibles, I believe it's a good way to take notes on the margin, circle things, underline things. That way when you get home, you can further study them, or when you're in a small group, and I hope a lot of you, if not all of you, are in a small group. We have one just on this book alone. Whew. Ephesians chapter 1, open them up. Verse 1, this is what Paul says in the very beginning. He begins, it says, I, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now, this is his usual introduction, but he emphasizes who he is. He says, I am an apostle, not appointed by man, not self-appointed, but by God himself, the sovereign authority given to him by God. And Paul makes that perfectly clear to all his readers. And now he's going to go and address his readers, his recipients. Continuing, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. He mentions two things he says, to the saints. Saint means to be set apart, to be chosen, to be holy ones, belonging to God. But he also mentions that they are faithful. Faithful in Christ Jesus. Before I go on any further, these words, in Christ Jesus, Paul is going to use in this letter 39 times. You're going to hear in Christ, in him, in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, in the beloved, 39 times. As a matter of fact, nine times we're going to see just in these first 14 verses that we're going to study this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, I really strongly suggest that every time you see those words in him, in Christ, circle that. It's a great reminder of who we are, all believers, in him. As a matter of fact, I love what John Stott says about this. He says this, to be in Christ is to be personally and vitally united to Christ. To be a Christian is in essence to be in Christ, one with him and his church. Beautiful promise. In him. 
Now Paul is going to go on and, and use a standard greeting that he does as well in most of his letters. Verse 2, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace that is given from God. And we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Now what he's going to do in this next verse, he's going to give us a thesis statement, if you will. This verse is going to flesh out what he's going to say for the remaining 14 verses. So this is what he says, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, circle that, with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. What is Paul saying? What is he going to flesh out? He is praising God. Blessed to God, blessings to God, praises to God. Why? For the spiritual blessings that he's given us. Sending a praise for the blessings that God has given us and all believers in the heavenly places. And now what he's going to do, he's going to flesh out this statement, this praise, why he's praising God. The next 12 verses in the original format in Greek it's just this one big on, big run on sentence. It's like he took a deep breath and just splurted it out. And this is what he's praising God for. What spiritual blessings that have come down from above. And what he's going to do, he's going to tell us and all his readers the work of the Trinity in our salvation. So if you have your Bibles with you, again, I recommend you do this. Bring your Bibles. In verses 4 through 6, put them together with a pen on the side. Do a little parentheses or a little margin thing on the side, connecting these verses. And right on the side put, God the Father. Verses 4 through 6. And then if you have your Bibles with you, verses 7 to 12, put little brackets connecting those two and put God the Son. And then the remaining verses we're going to cover today, verses 13 through 14, Connect him with brackets and put God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, verses 4 through 6. God the Son, verses 7 to 12. And God the Holy Spirit, verses 13 through 14. He is now going to flesh out the work of the Trinity when it comes into our salvations. The blessings that have come down from above. And what we're going to see for the remainder of our time together is this. We are chosen by God. It is a selection of the Father. We are redeemed by Christ. It is a sacrifice of the Son. And we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. It is a guarantee of the Holy Spirit. You with me so far? Chosen by God, redeemed by Christ, and sealed by the Holy Spirit. So let's go back and break down the continuing verses. First of all, let's look at chosen by God. Verse 4. Even as he, talking about God, chose us in him. You know what to do, right? Circle that. Before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before God. In love, God predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will to the praise of God's glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved, in Jesus. Circle that. 
There is a lot, a lot here in these verses, a lot. So as I was preparing for today's sermon, I thought really, really hard, how can I summarize what Paul has just said, but make it simple enough to maybe understand. So I thought really hard, and I came up, we put the next slide, please. I came up with this slide. There she is. Y'all get it? Yeah? Let's continue. No. This is our puppy, Dixie. All right? Now, for years, about six years, my wife and I have been considering and thinking about adopting a puppy. We have an older German shepherd. Her name is Aggie. She's 13 years old. So we thought, you know what? We need to get a new dog soon because she's not going to be with us long. And so we thought getting a puppy now would ease the transition. Maybe Aggie can mentor Dixie five years ago, but we thought, no, we're not ready yet. Four months ago, a family from Grace said, hey, our dog had a litter, a German Shepherd. I love German Shepherd. So my wife and I went and chose Dixie. There were five other beautiful puppies, but we chose Dixie. Dixie didn't say, hey, choose me. Dixie didn't put up a little sign and say, do all these special things. We just chose her. And we took her home, and now she's part of the family. In the same way, God chose you and I. See, Dixie had no idea that my wife and I wanted to adopt her. She wasn't even born five years ago. In the same manner, Paul tells us that we have been predestined. In Greek, prorizo means to decide beforehand. God decided beforehand to choose. And it says, he chose us. In Greek, chose means to choose, to select. And I love this. Before time even existed, God chose you and me before eternity had ever happened. He chose us for salvation. Now, I said there was a lot in here because there's been books and books and books written about this doctrine, the doctrine of election. Before I go on, please hear me. I am sharing God's truth, not my opinion. But let's just listen to God's truth and just open up your hearts. Now, election, for some of you that may not know what that is, a doctrine... It, it really is just that election is God's sovereign work of choosing some to be saved. I love what Chuck Swindoll says about this doctrine. He says this, we are not asked to totally understand the ins and outs of elections, why God chose that person rather than this person. Instead, we are expected to accept the doctrine of election by faith and praise God for it. Trust in his sovereignty. When I first studied this doctrine, I thought to myself, God, you're sovereign. Whether election is or isn't, I believe to be it. And I'm going to show you some scripture that backs that up. But you are God and I am not. I realize that I am putting in my head who I want you to be, God. And see, a lot of people have difficulty with this doctrine because a lot of people say, it's not fair. But you know what isn't fair? is that any of us were chosen. You know what isn't fair? Is the fact that we can spend eternity with him because a fair thing to do is for all of us to go to hell. A lot of people say, you know what? I, I remember the day I trusted Christ. Nobody forced me. I chose him. Yes, 
But God chose you first. If it wasn't for God giving you life through the Holy Spirit, you and I have no ability to choose God. Romans 1 clearly says we buck against God. You chose him because he first chose you before the beginning of time. Let me quickly go over some verses that cover this doctrine. Romans 8.29 says this. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Romans 9, 14, 16. What should we say then? Is there injustice in God's part? No way. God is never unjust. For he says to Moses, this is God speaking, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Listen to this. So then it depends not, N-O-T, on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. One more because there's a lot of them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 4. For we know, brothers, loved by God that, what does it say? He has chosen you. This truth should bring us to our knees humbly and say, wow, thank you, Jesus. God predestined you, he chose you, and then he adopted you. When you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you become part of his family. And that is the beauty of it. And as a matter of fact, under Roman law, church, once someone adopted a child, you cannot unadopt them. Once they became your child, they're your child for life. And not only that, the blessings that that adopted child had were the same blessing that a natural born child had as well. And it's the same between you and I. We have been adopted into his family. Let me recap quickly. The time of election is from eternity past. God chose you and me. The purpose of election is to be holy and blameless before him. That is a purpose. And we now are adopted into God's family. The sphere of election, the word we're going to hear 39 times, in him. Now Paul is going to transition from the work of God the Father to the work of God the Son. We are chosen by God, but we are redeemed by Christ. Redeemed by Christ. Verse 7, in him, hope you're circling, we have redemption through his blood. Again, speaking about the work of Christ. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of God's grace, which God lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in who? In Christ, as a plan for the fullness of times to unite all things in Jesus, things in heaven and things on earth. There is also a lot in here, but I'm not going to bring up a picture of Dixie. Don't worry. But there's a lot. Paul says first that we have been redeemed. What does that word redeem mean? We have been brought back. We have been set free. From what? From our sins. He has purchased us back from the bondage of sin. How? By his blood. By his sacrifice. Not only have we been redeemed by the work of Jesus at the cross. 
we have also been forgiven of our sins. That is just an awesome truth. Once anybody puts their trust in Jesus Christ and truly believes that he went to the cross and rose again on the third day, and that was sufficient for the forgiveness of our sins, at that moment we are justified and our sins are forgiven. The wrath of God that should have come down to you and to I has lifted and was put on him. When we trust in that, we are redeemed and our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. I love what the psalmist writes in 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Let me go back again, verse 7, because there's a lot to unravel here. Again, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. According to the riches of his grace, we have been forgiven by the blood of Christ. Why? Because of God's grace, because of his mercy. Verse 8, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. If you have your Bibles with you, underline that, mystery of his will. What does that word mystery mean here? It is an unrevealed truth up to now. I love this, and I could get so much into that, but we can't because there is no time. But now it's revealed to us. That is a mystery. Why? According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Jesus, things in heaven and things on earth. The mystery is to bring all things in heaven and earth under the headship of Jesus Christ. Church, one day he's going to come back as Lord of lords and King of kings. And every knee will bow. We look forward to that day. Paul continues in verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance having, and here's that word again, predestined according to the purpose of God who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Why? So that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. God in Christ has also provided us an eternal inheritance. Wow. These are beautiful promises. I love what John writes in Revelation chapter 20 verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection over such the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Becoming a child of God brings us these blessings that come from above. But it doesn't end there, church. We are chosen by God. We are redeemed by Christ. But we are also sealed by the Holy Spirit. The work of the Trinity in our salvation. Sealed by the Holy Spirit. Verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. I hope you're circling it. Were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Talking about the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of God's glory. What is Paul saying? After someone hears the truth, the gospel, you hear the gospel spoken by someone else and you believe, you trust 
in the work of Jesus Christ. You believe in your heart at that moment. You are justified. But not only that, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit as a promise. Now, back then, a person, the head of a family, a king, would have a ring, a signet ring. And he would put wax on it. And he'd seal in a document, an important document, saying, this is from me. And no one should tamper it because it was sealed. In the same manner, God is saying, I have given you myself in the Holy Spirit as a seal, as a promise, sealing the truth of salvation. But not only that, he says it's a guarantee. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee. In Greek, that word has the has a meaning or significance of like a deposit, an earnest money, if you will. How many of you have ever purchased a house? I have. And so when you purchase a house, you go and you say, you know, I really love that house. I'm going to buy the house. As a matter of fact, here is how interested and how I promised to buy the house. I'm going to give you earnest money. Hold that house. It is a guarantee that one day that house will belong to me. If I were to back up from that deal, I would lose my earnest money. In the same manner, church. God says, I am depositing into all believers the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, guaranteeing that you're saved, period. If God would take away his Holy Spirit, then you are no longer saved. And God is telling you and me that once you are a believer, you are a believer for eternity. You are sealed. It is a promise. Here's another doctrine that people just don't agree with, but there's so many other verses that I don't have time to go over it as well, but just think about this. Once you become a child of God, you are adopted, and the same as Roman law, you cannot be unadopted. You're a child of God forever, and he's telling us, I promise you, I've been sealed. If God breaks his promises, that's not God's character. You are sealed forever. Church, when I realized this truth because I was raised as a Catholic, I was like, wow. Because sometimes I felt like I was walking on eggshells. Oh, mortal sin. Got to go to confession. I lost my salvation. I'm back in. I'm a son. I'm no longer a son. That is not the truth. Once saved, always saved. And that should bring you to your knees and say, thank you, God. That is the truth. That is the promise. The Holy Spirit indwells in us forever. John 14, 16 says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. At any time, if the Holy Spirit, if God would say, No, you're not saved, then that word forever is no longer forever. Think about that. We are a child of God forever. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That is awesome. Chosen by God, redeemed by Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit, chosen by God. God initiated the plan of salvation, redeemed by Christ. God came down, stepped out of heaven. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life and then died a horrific death to redeem us back to the Father. Sealed by the Holy Spirit is a guarantee that we are His children forever. Those three truths in these 14 verses 
you're probably asking yourself, so what? Okay. Thank you for that lesson. Here's what I think the so what is. I pray that as we continue our series, I pray that every Sunday, I pray that every time we open God's word, we are just humbled and we come to God just as Paul came to God praising him for his spiritual blessing. Let's be a church that prays the prayer that Paul prayed in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Open your hearts. Let others see the truth of Jesus Christ in you. Now next week, and I, I encourage you to do this, we're going to cover verses 15 through 23. We're going to close chapter 1 in Ephesians. So come prepared, read a little bit beforehand, and hopefully you get a better understanding and bring your Bibles. Let's pray. Father, we do give you thanks and praise of these promises. There's so many truths and promises that we hear in your word. I know some of it, Father, is confusing to us. Some of it we just don't want to accept. But, Father, your truth is your truth. I pray, as always, that we are humbled, that we serve you, and more importantly, because we cannot deny the truth, that we share your word to all those that need to hear the gospel salvation of your son Jesus Christ father I know that you look down upon your church Grace Bible Church and see that we imperfectly try to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to align our will with you we love you father we praise you and we say all these things in your son's name amen love you church have a blessed week